Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is normally a Swedish podcast, but for this episode, I decided to do the podcast in English. The meaning with the podcast is to boost women all ages and understand that we all go through different paths in life. No one has a perfect life. I met Rachel Brayton in Thailand. She's also known as Yoga Girl and has over 1.2 million followers in the social media, which she inspires every day. It was pretty challenging to do the podcast in English, especially when you're nervous. It makes you stumble in your words and sometimes the questions don't come out as you want. But you know, it's fine. I did it. I challenged myself and I hope you do it too someday. So how was Rachel's life before she became known? How can she feel so pleasant with life after all she's gone through? She seems to be so happy, but what is it that makes her happy? Is it the fact that she found love? Or that she lives in Aruba? Or is it the yoga all the way? And how many people is actually behind Yoga Girl? We had a lot of issues in my family growing up, like a ton of, I mean, drama and divorce after divorce. I mean, there used to be times where I couldn't talk about this, like my stepdad dying and my mom trying to kill herself, all those things, like without crying or without closing up. It was really, really emotional. And now, I mean, I realized too that the more I speak of it, the more I help other people too, because these are things that people don't like to share. I was just determined to be the most destructive person ever. There was a part of me that really wanted to, to be happy, you know, and I never had that ever. Hey, you know, I'm a yoga teacher, I also drink, and I like to eat chocolate some days, and I'm not always happy, and, you know, I'm a regular human being that tries my best every day. And then I woke up in the middle of the night, like hours later, I think, and Dennis was crying by my bed, and he never cries. So, I mean, they told me the next day, but I, I mean, I knew that whole time, I knew, I knew. You know, I really, I haven't shown my whole side of who I am and I think it's important that I do that. If you weren't fearful, what would you do? So welcome to this podcast. It's called the Uretsjede Podden. It's actually a Swedish podcast. But since you have so many international followers, I thought that you need to inspire them as well. So that's why we're doing this in English. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so first I need to ask you, what is 
like your name how do you pronounce your name because there's so many i heard like rachel raquel ruten what can we just set this clear <laughs> what is your name so in english it's rachel brathen and i've been uh, i've been rachel almost my entire life but in swedish it's actually pronounced raquel uh, with a k so not with a ch okay. and your last name last name in swedish is brutien yeah so i think i was 10 or 11 when i started calling myself rachel instead of raquel because we traveled so much when oh. i was little and my dad always called me rach oh. even since i was a since i was a kid and then our our swedish last name is extremely difficult to pronounce <laughs> in the rest of the world yeah. so now i'm rachel brathen with the whole world but my last name is actually Schoneveld now oh, wow. because my husband has this extremely unpronounceable Dutch last name now that I'm married. But so what was it again? Schoneveld. Rachel Brathen Schoneveld. Yeah, no one can pronounce it. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so oh my, yeah. So are you gonna use that a lot or? I mean, not for. How is it? How is it spelled? <laughs> it's S C H O N E V E L D. It means uh, clean fields. Uh-huh. So it's actually like, like in Dutch. It's a really pretty last name. It is. It he is. He said if it, if it gets too confusing, we'll just call ourselves the clean fields. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Wow. And I thought my last name was hard to pronounce. Yeah. How do you pronounce it? Well, in Swedish, it's Kovacs. Kovacs. That's what I thought. But yeah. in because my parents are from Hungary, so it's Kovacs. Kovacs. That's not so hard. Yeah, but in when I was younger, everyone made fun of me. No. <laughs> it was like, cool wax. No. Like, cow wax. wax. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But you are from Sweden. And maybe everyone doesn't know that. Or do they know it? I think by now they do. Mm-hmm. Before, I never used to write about it. And everything I do is in English. So, it was like a year, year and a half ago, Sweden figured out that I was Swedish. And everybody got really excited. <laughs> yeah. Me too. I'm like, proud of you being Swedish. I'm like, yay. <laughs> So, are you proud of being Swedish? Yes, of course I am. Very, very good, good. So, you had a very destructive life, as I can read in your book and as everyone else can read. So, I'm doing a little uh, recap of your life and then we're going to talk more about it. A lot of people know about you, but maybe some people don't know deeper about you. So, you had a pretty destructive life until you were like 18, because then you moved over here. But before that, um, your mom got enough and sent you to a retreat in Dalarna in Sweden. In Dalarna, yeah. And you kind of fell in love with yoga. Well, I didn't find yoga right away. So the retreat was uh, was more meditation-oriented. There was no yoga involved, physical yoga involved at all. But um, it was definitely my first kind of door opener to a new type of living. And then you traveled to Costa Rica mm-hmm. and then moved there. You traveled to Aruba, found love there. Found love there, yes. And then uh, you started to teach yoga. And uh, then some years after, you are now inspiring 1.2 million people every day with your yoga and your way of living life. And you just Crazy. released a book. <laughs> yeah. When, when did you release it in Swedish? In Swedish, it came out in November. Okay. And then in the States, in the U.S., it's going to come out in English in the end of March. So almost. Yeah. I read it. It's really good. Thank you. It's, uh, you know, you. Uh, it's kind of a thick book, though, because when I when I got it, I was like, oh, I didn't think it was this thick. But it's so many nice pictures and recipes and a lot of good information that like catches you. So I like started to read it and read it through for like an hour. Oh, and then I was like, okay, I'm great. done. 
So it's <laughs> a nice book. So you should be really proud Thank of it. Thank you. The the English version is going to be a little bit different. Um, there's actually more text in the English oh, version. Really? In, in Sweden, they were worried I was writing too much. Oh. And in, in the U.S., they wanted me to write more and more. So I actually have elabor elaborated some chapters. And okay. So, uh, so yeah, I'm excited can... for that release. It's a little bit deeper than uh, than some of the Swedish what chapters. did you add? Can you tell that? Yeah, I mean, I can. I, I just I went a little bit deeper into my childhood and, and some questions that I hadn't um, gone too deep in in Swedish, which was which was really nice. I mean, people, a lot of people, they think that I, I've had this life my entire, you know, since I was growing up, that everything's always easy and yoga and healthy living, but it wasn't always like that. So I like to show the difficult parts as well. Do you have someone helping you to get, you know, deeper inside of your emotions and when you're writing no <laughs> i do that really that. well on my own <laughs> good but there's someone you know correcting well they have yeah i mean they have the editors at the at the publishing mm -hmm. house that do that but there's it's funny because in the states everything is really serious and then i wrote i wrote a lot of, of many kind of serious experiences and they had to ask for every single page is this okay does this person know that you're writing this? Could they sue us? And I'm like, no, I don't think my mom is going to sue me for <laughs> writing these things. But yeah, they're very, very strict. Okay, so we meet in Thailand, in Koh Samui, and beautiful. When I got there, I thought I, like, died and came to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> but what are you doing here? I'm leading a retreat here together with my husband, Dennis. It starts in three, three or four days. And we have a week of, uh, there's almost 50 people joining us here wow. for a week of yoga twice a day and then healthy foods and beach time and some adventures. And How long do you need to book that in, in advance? It depends. So now usually these weeks they sell out within 20 minutes or something. Wow. So it's kind of it's first like come, first serve these faster days. Faster than Swedish House Mafia in, no, in Stockholm. <laughs> well, they, they have to take a few more people than 50 to their shows. But. Well... But yeah, I mean, it's exciting. People really, really want to come along. And it's it's a pretty intense week. We go deeply into not just the physical aspect of yoga, but it's a very emotional and kind of heart-opening week as well. So it's so it's different kind of people from everywhere. Or from is everywhere. From everywhere. From really everywhere. And all kinds of ages. And we get beginners and advanced people in the same groups. And it's really, it's really, it's really always, always an eclectic group. What's the oldest? Wow, we've had some people in their 70s join. I think that might be the oldest, like around 75. But really, really fit people combined with maybe younger people that aren't as advanced, you mm -hmm. know. So it usually, it's always challenging to teach a class to fit everybody's needs perfectly. But yoga is designed in that way that, you know, you adapt your own practice to how you're feeling that day. So, okay, let's go back a little bit in time, like three, four years. The time before you started to realize that this is something big going on or when when did you realize that like when did you start your instagram account for example instagram account i don't know like two and a half three years ago something like yeah. that yeah do, do you remember your first picture i think it's of my dog of our dog sergeant pepper he just passed away but i'm pretty sure like in the beginning that's all i shared was just pictures of him <laughs> pretty much but it was really um i had a facebook uh, page that i used for my students to keep track of classes and if there was a change or, or something and then people started following and I had a few thousand followers on there and they started asking me questions about poses or questions about the practice and and I started elaborating a little bit more there and then Instagram came along which I thought was super fun just more images and less words and then um, yeah it was it was really personal in the beginning it wasn't just yoga stuff 
And then that started growing and then I posted just yoga stuff. And then it was one of my first big realizations that social media is kind of, uh, it can be great and a really great tool, but it's it's also really messed up <laughs> yeah. in many different ways. And it's so important how you pr- portray yourself in social media. It's, it's not the full picture. And I really used in, in the beginning Instagram with only yoga and only health and maybe some food. And I really chose only the, the, the perfect stuff, you know. And then one day I was out and I was having kind of a bad day. And then I, I had a tequila shot with dinner with, together with my husband, which we do sometimes. I mean, we, we drink and we like wine and all that stuff. And then I shared that on Instagram, you know, having a night with my with my husband. And I got hate mail from all over the world. People wow. were so upset extremely upset like how can you call yourself a yoga teacher and you drink tequila like this is crap people were really calling me horrible horrible things and I realized like wow you know I really I haven't shown my whole side of who I am and I think it's important that I do that so I lost a bunch of followers and I said hey you know I'm a yoga teacher I also drink and I like to eat chocolate some days and I'm not always happy and you know I'm a regular human being that tries my best every day yeah and then from that moment on I started sharing more of the real life which I think people appreciate yeah I mean definitely I think it's a huge part of why my following grew so big so quickly because it's it's not fake you know it's good and bad but when did you realize or what did you think when you got so many new followers you're like 500 new or I don't even know a thousand new like what did you think I wasn't really thinking I thought it was exciting and fun and people wanted to you know take part in the journey and they were always really positive and I wasn't really reading too much into it at the time. I mean, now it's it's totally crazy. I mean, 1.2 million people, it's it's insane. <laughs> How many new do you get every day? Two to 3,000. Wow. Yeah. I'm excited <laughs> if I get like four. I'm like, yay! <laughs> like, I reached out to four people. Amazing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But do you read all the comments and I everything? Do. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's, I do. That must take like three hours in the morning. No, I mean, it doesn't. I just, I, I kind of scroll through them quickly and if there's a arguments or something negative I, I like to kind of weed out the, the bad people mm-hmm. sometimes people attack each other in the comment feeds and there's like you know like I shared a, a video the other day of my little sister she's yeah I saw that yeah she's really young and she's singing and I mean she's so talented and then all these people that are like you know I am a professional singer and this is the worst I've ever heard and I'm like how how can you write this to a 17 year old girl like what's wow. wrong with you so I'm like delete delete Yes, you know, which but is... can you block people as well? Mm-hmm, I can. You've done it. I do now all the time. Yeah, oh, all the time. You don't want to. I didn't haters. used to. I used to think that it's, you know, I'll keep everyone on here and just try to manage the, manage the the conversations a little bit in the feeds. But then I realized some people are just absolutely insane and they just want people to, uh, to hate on each other, and that just creates a really bad vibe. So even yeah. nice people that want to protect someone, become really vicious, and it pulls yeah. out really negative things so then I realized it's better to just block them yeah so now you're known as yoga girl for like the whole world (laughs) and I just met on the way here two Swedish guys and they're like oh what are you gonna do here and I'm like I'm just here for the day and then I'm flying back to Huahin and they're like what are you gonna do and I said I'm interviewing a girl named Rachel which is known as yoga girl they're like yeah, we heard of her. <laughs> Two boys, you know, and they were very like fashionable, and they were so fun. So oh, that's great. So, <laughs> and you're known. Um, but as you said, your life hasn't been perfect. And I don't even know should we use perfect. I I'm more like questioning should perfect as a word be used. I mean, it's a there's perfection in everything, but yeah. 
I think that's the beauty of, of life, that it's not perfect. And yeah. that's what makes it perfect. But I, I think especially, I mean, if you go to any type of, any person's social media feed, just a regular person, if it's a celebrity or a regular, you know, whoever, you always want to show your, your best side, right? So you always choose the best angles. You always put the best filters. You only share the exciting parts of, of your life. You don't share lying in bed watching Desperate Housewives eating a, a toast you know like no one does that <laughs> which is the best which way. is the best yeah but no one really shares that because that doesn't look exciting for anyone so if you look at a person's feed they have always the perfect life and so many people travel all the time and they work out every day and they only eat healthy things and they're always beautiful and always makeup and you know and then it's it's not real like no one has that life no one not even you know like Beyonce no. Beyonce like photoshops her Instagram pictures like it's insane so not even Beyonce is happy looking like Beyonce she's like the queen of the world you that know? makes so me sad it is it's super sad but it means also it's just everybody's is human and I think every time you share something human even if it's insecurities or I don't know stuff that you you normally wouldn't share with maybe one million people or a hundred people or whatever you have it inspires other people to be real too you know Definitely. I think it's really important to, to share that. So when I read your book, um, to be honest, I'm like shocked that you're sitting here and are alive <laughs> and sitting here with such an open mind, actually, because it seemed that you had like a lot of anger and pain as a young girl. A lot. Tell us about that. <laughs> I think it's kind of, it's it's not a, it's not out of the norm, you know. I think it's very common that young girls feel that you yeah, feel but insecure they don't talk about it. but they don't talk about it yeah you feel insecure you feel insufficient you feel ugly or fat or unintelligent or and everything people tell you uh, you really absorb you know so having a few people in your life maybe I don't know sharing negative things or I've had comments from like family friends like oh when I was 14 or oh, Rachel better be careful with those desserts you know you don't want to end up like growing up and and losing your figure 14 years old, you know, you don't even have a figure yet. And I remember being that young and really going home and like, oh my God, like, am I, is this what fat means? Like, am I fat? And I started writing down, I had a little diary and I would write down every single day, everything I ate. And then at the top, I would put weight 53.1 kilos. It's like, I mean, it's, I mean, in pounds, what is that? Like 90 pounds. I don't even know. It's nothing. And then I would write down, I ate one grapefruit. I drank one cup of green tea. I had one toast. And I found this years later and it just totally broke my heart. Like, how can you be a child and that young and that's your main, you know, that's what you focus on yeah. instead of, you know, playing or being a kid or growing up or. Yeah, having fun, be with your friends. Yeah. So, I mean, that was really a big part of, of kind of my own insecurities, really. And then we had a lot of issues in my family growing up, like a ton of, I mean, drama and divorce after divorce. And I have a lot of sisters and brothers that are half siblings. How many siblings do you have? I actually have five, but there's another one coming, which is insane. Congratulations. Yeah. Let's see about that. <laughs> I mean, it's great. And, you know, my dad's really happy, but I'm, it's really hard for me to be, I'm going to be 27 this year and then have a, have a little brother for me. It's a little, but it's who my family is. It really, like the drama hasn't really ended and it probably will never end. And it's just who we are. Yeah. But for me, when I was that young, I really took that and I made it into something really horrible like instead of kind of learning from it and going with the flow and realizing that this is these are my cards like this is I have a crazy mom and a crazy dad and a bunch of sisters and brothers and everybody divorces all the time it's just what it is and now it's kind of it's kind of nice like we have this huge crazy family 
But at that time, I was just really, I was upset about everything, you know, and I, instead of talking about it or kind of using it for something useful, I started smoking and I started drinking and I started hanging out with really bad people and I was kind of going How down this path. How did you meet these people? I was just determined to be the most destructive person ever. Did you like, want to make your parents worried or attention or? Probably both. Probably both, I'm sure. I mean, I just, yeah, I mean, I was like 13 the first time I, I was in the hospital with alcohol poisoning. Wow. And I look, think about it now, like I have sisters that are 13 now and it's like, no, like it's not possible. Like you're so young, like it's not possible, but it was. I mean, that's, what did your mom and dad say? Oh, I mean, it was horrible. They, were... they kept thinking all the way through until I was at least like 15 that, no, you know, Rachel is such a good girl. Because I always had really good grades. Like school was always super easy for me, so I never neglected that. But it definitely wasn't, it wasn't good. Because in your book you said also like you made up all these lies and, you know, while mm-hmm. you were smoking, you're like, no, my friend smoked. I mean, every day was like one lie into the next really about everything who I was with and what I was doing and I would sneak out uh jump out of the window and go party in the middle of the night on school nights and then no one you know no one had no one really kept track of what was happening and I was I've been really determined like if I want to do something I'll do it and they tried really hard to control me and to you know to stop all the kind of bad things I was doing but I was the only one who could who could do that in the end. In your book, you're writing about your stepdad. He died in an airplane crash. Yeah, when I was little. Wow. I mean, he was a, a combat pilot for mm-hmm. the Swedish army, so it wasn't oh. like a like a tourist, like a charter plane or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was just him. But um, yeah, it was really the my mom's like the love of her life. It was a couple of, like two months before their wedding. They were engaged. Really, really, really horrible. And she was the same age that I am now when that happened, and I was five. My little brother was three, so it was really, uh, I don't think she's over it. Yet. No, of course not. I, mean, I, don't think you ever, I don't even know. I don't think you ever get over no. that. I mean, like, I, imagining that now with my husband, like, it's not, it's not a, it's not a, it's not an option, you know? How do you live through that? And she didn't want to live through it. No, she didn't want to live through it, no. And it's something that's affected us, like, our really, I mean, my entire family, but I think mostly me, because I was the oldest. My little brother doesn't remember a lot. He was really young and, I helped him through a lot, even though I was so little. But, I mean, it's really shaped everything from like in my life from that moment on. And I can look at it now, and it's just, you know, these things happen every day, all the time. People die, and people get divorced, and people get sick, and it's things that you can never run from or avoid. You know, you can't design your life in a way where bad things will never happen, because it's just, we don't have that control. And I think learning at a young age how to deal with that and, and having those experiences made me into this person now so what what's your relationship with your mom and dad now it's good I mean my mom and I were really really close she was just in she visits a lot she's been four weeks in Aruba the past month and a half or something like that so she even has her own little apartment in our house where she stays when she comes and I don't see my dad as much we travel uh, we travel to Sweden a lot and we always stay with him when we're there but so it's I mean we're all close and I have sisters that are still really young so I think that's my one, not regret, but if I could choose, I would want to stay close to my sisters right now because they're at that time where it's getting a little critical or where they need support. And I think having a big sister around is something I never had and that I think it's it can be super valuable. Yeah, definitely. But does it hurt to talk about your past? 
Not anymore. Because no. you've been dealing I mean, I've been talking it. about it a lot. Like, I think it's, who's, what's that quote? I think it's Paulo Coelho. He says, mm -hmm. so the more you speak of your own story, every time you say it, it's letting a piece of it go. And then in the end, you've said your story so many times that there's no emotional attachment anymore. And it's like it's something that happened to someone else, and that's the moment when you've actually you know, moved on. Is that what you feel? I think so, really. I mean, there used to be times where I couldn't talk about this, like my stepdad dying and my mom trying to kill herself, all those things, like without crying or without closing up. It was really, really emotional. And now, I mean, I realized, too, that the more I speak of it, the more I help other people, too, because these are things that people don't like to share. You know, you hold all your your heaviest pain you hold on to and you don't tell anybody. And then in the end, you end up kind of living this life with these patterns of maybe holding back or not truly living life because you're afraid of all these things coming to the surface. And then it changes you in a bad way as opposed to changing you in a good way. So what would you say to little Rachel mm -hmm. having all these feelings inside? And what would you say to her now looking at this with these new eyes? To not worry so much. And I mean, especially teenage Rachel, I was so worried about, you know, not being popular enough or not being pretty enough or all, not being thin enough, all these things. And if I could give, if I could be a big sister to me as a, as a teenager, I really, I really would. I think just having one person to ground you and, and, and support you when you need it can make a, you know, it's like life, change your life completely. But it was your mom who changed mm -hmm. your life because she got enough. Yeah. <laughs> she got enough. And, uh, yeah, what happened from that until now, like spiritually and all that changed you? Well, she had enough. It was like too much. And it was either kind of, I mean, it was at the point where either like, you know, I'd have to kind of move out. Like, you know, it's, it's we couldn't really deal with it anymore. And we had a, a family friend who had been to this meditation kind of therapeutic retreat center. And then she had gone and she came back a much, calmer version of herself and then she said you know what like this is it you're gonna go she paid for me and she gave me my train ticket I didn't really have a choice you know but I mean of course I had a choice I could have just you know left home or ran away or whatever but I actually went without objecting too much you maybe felt like yeah yeah I mean I, I for need sure a there, was a, here. I need there was a part of me that really wanted to to be happy you know and I never had that ever so when I came there I mean I was I have no idea what I was, what I got myself into, like literally no, no clue. And I was so nervous going in the, in the cab from the train station to the center that I actually asked the cab to stop and turn around. Like I changed my mind, I changed my mind. I have to go back to the train, like, you know, and he talked me into staying. And he said, you know, if it's, if, it, if it's really horrible, like here's my number, call me tomorrow and I'll take you to the train. But like try one day. I love that cab driver. Yeah, me too. I read the book and I'm like... <laughs> I want to have his number. <laughs> I know. Someone asked me, like, did you send a book to him? I'm like, I have no idea who he is. I don't oh, know. Because no. he has seen so many other people. He has. It's a really you. small town, and that center has kind of a big, big place. I'm sure he'd taken a lot of people from the train there. And he knew, you know. So so that was a big thing. But it wasn't really, I mean, it wasn't so much, it's, it's hard to describe what happens at a, at a at a retreat like that. Like, it's hard for me also to describe what happens at our retreats here. When I try to explain, like, it's not just yoga every day. It's not, like, just vinyasa classes every day, twice a day. But there's so much emotion and so much release and so much connection. And it can really it can really change you, you know. But I'm not doing that work. It's the people that show up. I can give them tools to open up. But they have to do all the work. And, and same at that place. I was given tools to just kind of, well, first of all, realize all the things I was holding on to from my past that I didn't even know. 
I was like, that stuff was so long ago. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't affect me. I don't care about that. But, you know, of course it does. It stays with you forever or until you actively release. So for me, that was, uh, yeah, dealing with that and then learning how to meditate, which for me at that time was really a way to turn off that evil voice inside of my head that told me I was never good enough was a huge, huge part. And I think, yeah, meditation and, and just kind of managing that voice that tells you you're not, you know, you have to do better all the time, you have to look prettier all the time, is a, is a huge step in, in starting to love yourself for who you really are. So when I came back, it wasn't like I was a, a new person or anything like that. I mean, I was just, I was still me, but it was, I had a fresh, fresh eyes, you know, complete fresh look into what I wanted to do with life. And I really wanted to be happy, which is something I never thought about before, you know, happiness and balance and like, you know, it really, yeah, it really changed my life. So what happened from there until you moved to Costa Rica? Like how long was the gap between the moving and the coming back from the retreat? I think the gap was maybe six or eight months or something like that. And I, I was just in, before I came to Koh Samui here in Thailand, I was in Phuket with two of my oldest and best friends. And we were just talking about that right after we finished high school. They went to uh, to Barbier, to uh, to the Alps, yeah. to, uh, for six months or however many months to to be um, ski instructors and just kind of have a season there, which was the craziest time ever. And it was just six months of drinking and partying, and you know they had these stories. And I didn't go, and we were really best friends at that time. And I was like, why? Why didn't I go to this huge trip? And they were like, well, that was the best choice you ever made. Like you went to Costa Rica instead. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I, I was home and I was working, uh, just, just trying to save up money. And what and, were you working with? Um, I think at that time, so I was waitressing a lot. And then uh, my mom had a little uh, company that I, I helped her with administrational, like, office work, too. So they went to that party trip and I stayed home saving up. And then I went to, to Costa Rica, which was a, yeah, a big, big change. <laughs> and, and then... Uh, you worked there for how long were you there before you moved to Aruba? Two and a half, almost almost three years. Okay, mm-hmm. and worked there. I mean, the I read, first like, year I didn't really work. I didn't really do anything. I was just really excited <laughs> to be in a place <laughs> where, I mean, I felt really at home there in Sweden. I didn't have a, I didn't have a community of people. I didn't have anybody that meditated. No one to talk to. Everybody that did that were they were twenty years older than me. There was. You know, all my friends were partying, going to the Alps and, you know, going out to clubs and, and that type of thing. And I lost that interest after I, I started, you know, started that spiritual path. So Costa Rica was a place where I could, everywhere I went was a yoga studio or a meditation center or kind of people that were looking for the same things that I was. So I really, I really arrived and I was like, I'm never going to go back. I'm going to stay here forever, which I, I did. I mean, I stayed for two and a half years and then... um and then I actually, I went to Aruba on uh, just for vacation with my family, which is also totally random. And then I met Dennis there the second day. It's crazy. It's totally it's insane. It's like written in the stars. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. And then, uh, and now I know he's from, he is from Aruba. Because mm-hmm. that was one of my questions, but I met him and he said he's from there. Yeah, I mean, he looks really Swedish or, or Dutch, but he's, he's Aruban, yeah, all the way. His dad is Dutch, so that's where he gets his kind of blonde and tall handsomeness, but <laughs> he's very Caribbean. The story is like written in the stars story, but you also said like what you want will come true. You always need to ask for it. 
because in your book you're saying like you know because you were working as a waitress there and you had like a horrible boss yeah and then you were like i'm quitting (laughs) at the same time as you get offered a job yeah i mean that that kind of stuff has happened to me the past six seven years all the time like i'll I have this ability to, I really believe that nothing is impossible. And people ask me a lot, like, how could I change my life? And I've been working in the same job for 10 years, or I've been in this horrible relationship forever. Like, it, it can't just change your life. But the idea of changing your life comes from believing that you can. And if you believe that you can't, you're never going to, it's never going to happen. But how do you ask for it then? Because I think you said, like, universe, you know, ask for yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, if people usually they have this idea of I want something different or I want to be happier or I want to change my life but without actually knowing specifically what it is that you want the universe can't really help you with that so if you're not clear with your intention of what you want to create and you're just I could do this and then that or maybe this I don't know you're sending out this energy that's very confusing to 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 the universe and it's really hard to have those doors open for you if you don't know where you want to go so I really believe in being super clear with your intentions and focusing maybe on one thing at a time and asking directly and it's not sitting on your butt waiting for things to land in your lap you have to you know have that intention really clear and then take the active steps that you can towards making that happen usually it means we don't know i mean we have no clue how we're going to get to the end destination but just taking the first steps there and then the path will will show itself and and i've learned from experience that that, that's really how i mean it's how things work like small and large like this place where we're staying now it was the day before we left to kosamui and then it says, dude, where are we going to stay? And I was like, oh, crap. I totally, I've been so immersed in my vacation here in Phuket. I didn't, I didn't think about it. So before I went to bed, I sent a couple emails. We usually trade stays for social media and things like that with wellness resorts. And then an hour after I sent that out, I got just a random email from this place where we are that I, I had no idea who they were. And they were like, hi, we see you're traveling to Koh Samui in a few days for your retreat. Do you have a couple of days before or after? We'd love to host you and have you visit. We have a new like detox program and I was like oh sure great so wow you know it's really it's really about aligning yourself and being on the right path in these things if it's material things or emotional or relationships or whatever it is it's it's not that hard I think the hard thing is is kind of getting over your mind and the negativity that comes from there if you think of like a yoga teacher before you came along (laughs) no but you you thought of this like super spiritual own person vegan like weird hairdo or something like that (laughs) and looking at it that way it didn't seem like yoga was for everyone but looking at you you know you are this you look like this normal girl, if I can say that, but very, re- really special, of course. <laughs> no, very normal. But you know, I get the feeling that you are just like me, or you know, just like anyone else, and you kind of made yoga for everyone, and you practice it in such a beautiful way, and it really captures the people. Do you think you made yoga for everyone, or available for everyone? or necessary in the society that goes so fast. Yeah, I mean, I think it, yoga really should be for everyone. And it's, especially in Europe, the, the idea of yoga is, it is a little bit more traditional. And and even my, my view of a teacher, all the teachers I ever had when I started teaching was, they were older people and the classes were very, well, very stoic and very serious. And, you know, there was never any laughing or, you know, falling over it was like, oh my God, no. And so when I started teaching, I had this idea that I had to be that person too. So 
I started off being very, very silent and this kind of, I was trying to become a person that I really wasn't just to fit into this role of what I thought a teacher should be. But then I realized after a while that, you know, a, a really good teacher is a person that can use their own abilities and their own per personality and then bring that into the class. So when I started kind of accepting and embracing, okay, well, actually what I really enjoy teaching is, is classes with really crazy music and I'll play reggae and sometimes hip hop and then mix that with really traditional meditation music and then we'll laugh and we'll fall over and it's really about I think the spiritual aspect of yoga is more accessible if you're enjoying what you're doing as opposed to sitting on a cushion you know forcing yourself for hours on end to kind of I don't know to to try something that feels so so far away from from the life that you're living and I mean I really think I mean for, for this retreat that we have now on, on Sunday we have we have a, I mean, we have a guy who's like in his 60s. This is his second retreat in two months. You know, he, he lost 100 pounds within a year. He's this really big guy. And there's a bunch of girls for sure in Lululemon pants that just do power yoga. And there's going to be couples and there's going to be everything in between too. And I really think that's what I want for, for these classes. I don't want only the, the fit young girl, you know, and I don't want only the, you know, I think it really should be for, for everyone. And just showing that the human side of, of being a teacher, showing that as opposed to hiding it really allows people to just come to class without feeling so intimidated all the time. But what do you think of the society today? Because when you talk about you being younger, I can feel with you about this pressure, about how you should look, you know, everything like that. And it's such an unhealthy way of thinking. And I also feel that it goes down in ages now. You know, I have heard a 10-year-old girl doesn't want to be in a bikini because she thinks she's too fat. Or like a 4-year-old girl doesn't want to get dressed at the beach because she doesn't want to show her mm. body. I mean, it's sick. What do you think of this society? I think it's really twisted. <laughs> and it's... it's I, I, I don't know if it's getting worse or if it's, if it's just more obvious now because we're so in each other's lives with social media and with that sort of thing. But... I mean, I have four four sisters and, and and a stepsister, and they're all teenagers. They're from like 12, 13, 15, 17, and they're going through all of this right now. And I can really tell the transformation, you know, from being kind of 13, 14 is the roughest time. And it really decides where you go from there, if you're going to have your feet on the ground and if you're going to really have a good teenage time or if you're going to go the other way, kind of like I did and have a horrible time and maybe... You know, it'll take you years and years to fix that or to find who you really, who you really are. But when we were young, at least when I was a teenager, all the, the ideals I got of how, how I need to look or how I need to be or act, they came from magazines, they came from, uh, you know, maybe movies, maybe uh, commercials here and there. But that was that. You know, you still had these huge long breaks of being in school, listening to your teacher or walking to the bus and sitting on the bus, maybe listening to music. You know, those moments in your day where you weren't being fed these images all the time. And then now, I mean, my sisters, they wake up and their phone is in their face. And they spend the entire day with their phone in their face scrolling through Instagram and Facebook and feeds and, and Tumblr and, you know, YouTube videos and all these things. And it never ends. And they, they stay like that until they go to bed at night. And their phone is like right next to their, to, to their, to their heads. So of course, if what you follow is, is these Victoria's Secret models and these kind of young pop stars and, Oh, all these people that are not real, of course, your image and your view of what life should be is going to be totally fucked up. Yeah, true. <laughs> and I think it's it's so crucial that, that, that we fix that, you know, 
to, to mix that in. It's okay to have those phases sometimes. I mean, I have friends my own age that are like, oh my God, like Victoria's Secret Models, that's like the hottest woman in the world. And I'm like, I, can't you be the hottest woman in the world? Like, what's great about you? Could, you know, can you look at yourself and see that it's the same, you know, and being that person, you know, fitting yourself into this mold? I mean, what, 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 what makes her happier? Probably not. Probably no. she's, probably she's less happy than you are, you know, because she has that pressure and has to show her body all the time every day. And you can relax and, you know, you maybe live a normal life, but we kind of, we make it so difficult for ourselves to just be happy if, if we're never, ever, ever good enough. And it doesn't, doesn't matter if you lose 10 pounds, there's always another five, you know, if you, it's, I mean, same with, with everything. There's always the next step of, of changing who you are as opposed to accepting and just embracing where you are now. And I think if you need to make changes, if it's health or weight-related or whatever it is, it's much easier to do from a place of love than from a place of fear. So do you think you would have reached this balance in your life if you would have practiced yoga in Sweden? Because, I mean, Aruba and Sweden is two different worlds. worlds. Yeah. And, you know, Stockholm, where you're from, it's like pressure, pressure, pressure. If you walk down, in, like, in Stockholm, it's a fashion show everywhere you're like what the fuck i mean <laughs> you can't just relax so how would you, how do you think well do you think you would have you know reached this balance in stockholm i don't know i mean i had to leave like when i was that age and it was part of i had people that told me like oh you're running away because they thought i was going to be away for a year like a sabbatical and then return to university because that's what you do what you're supposed to do and then i didn't and i was like you know i'm so happy here i really could feel that you know, I never wore makeup. I didn't have, you know, any proper clothing. I just, I had a dog and everything was sandy and dirty. And I was just so happy with, with not having that pressure. And then I even had friends my own age and parents and people telling me like, you know, you're living this dream life. Like when you come back to reality, you're going to see that you can't have a life that is like that. And my whole idea was why not? If I feel like I'm not happy in this situation and I can change and go to a place where I can cultivate that acceptance or that strength, then I can return to that when I have to, and, and I'll be ready for it. You know, now I can go to Stockholm, and I can feel totally fine. But it is a different vibe, for sure. It is a different vibe of, you know, going into, like, a Stureplan in Stockholm or one of these nice restaurants, and it's really the feeling of being judged is there because everybody is judging themselves. And it's not about people, other people looking at you, feeling like, oh, look at her. It's them looking at themselves, you know, and it creates such a self-conscious vibration in the whole city, and you feel that. So I really think it's harder. And I think if you have to change something up and change your routine or change your pattern or change your country, then, then do that. Why not? And you can always come back to where you are if you want to. But I think the more we explore and the more we try different things, the easier to find our, our real path. You know, training at the gym or at a gym class and having this, you know, gym teacher screaming at you, you know, faster, <laughs> harder, you know, no pain, no gain. You're like, ah, it gets, you get so stress, stressful from that. Um, and I mean, like you said, with the Victoria's Secret model, she has a body that people look up to instead of looking at their own body and, and liking that body. But I mean, even though you have a six pack, you might be miserable in yourself well, and it will, probably. and it will show. <laughs> yeah. But how is yoga different from that? How, how does it, you know, creates this balance and feeling of acceptance well i think the main the main thing is that that nothing is is permanent and especially the body so if you've worked your ass off and you have that six pack you know it's not going to last unless you keep working your ass off 
all the time, which probably means every time you fall off the wagon or every time you miss a workout or you have a dessert, you're going to feel miserable. And I think yoga as a form of exercise, but also as a lifestyle, is is has such a much a much more loving approach. You know, one kind of the foundation of yoga is that everything will always change, and it's about adapting to the pose or to the transition of where you are and learning how to step into that kind of uncomfortable moment as opposed to running away from it. So, I mean, it's it's kind of dealing with the breath and using the present moment to your advantage as opposed to trying to run away. Like maybe you're on the treadmill and you're listening to music or you're watching TV and you're trying to distract your mind the whole time because what you're doing is fucking boring. Yep. <laughs> and you're having a miserable time on that treadmill. You know, in yoga, we do it the other way around. So you use your breath and you really anchor yourself where you are, even if that plays. I mean, doing a tough vinyasa class can be super, super, super. I mean, it can be horrible. It can be like you're sweating and you can't keep up and what's happening, you know, but always trying to distract from where you are is always going to take you to the next place. And that place is always going to be in your mind and not in your body. And with the breath and, and feeling where you are, it's such a, it's such a relief from that, you know, the constant thoughts and judgments and labels from the mind. And it just gives you a little break to feel what it's like to be here and, and moving into what the body can do for you as opposed to what the body needs to look like in the mirror. And then using that with, you know, I mean, it, it can be a really... You can have a great body if that's what you want, just doing yoga. You totally can. But I don't think that's a, whatever gets you to the mat is great, but it's not the point of why we're there. You know, you'll realize really quickly that the point is how you feel afterwards or, or maybe even during or finding a space of calm or opening up parts of the body that have been really stuck. You know, it's really common to come to the mat and cry or feel this. Yeah, release. what happens there? I mean, when you open up those things in your body. Yeah. What, I mean, is, what is it? What's going on there? So the body has a way of, so whenever we have a a rough time in our lives or we have a crisis or a trauma or, you know, it could be small or, or big things. If we don't know or we don't have the tools to actively release and kind of work through it, the body will hold on instead. So that emotion, that pain or that fear or sadness or grief or whatever it is, it's going to get stuck somewhere in the body. And it's usually hips. It could be hamstrings, back of the legs, shoulders, neck, um, other parts. And so then when we start to get really into those poses, maybe when we have longer holds and you, you know, in yoga, it's like if you're trying to push your way somewhere, like in CrossFit or yeah. treadmill, you push, 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 and you go. In yoga, if you're trying to push something that isn't happening, you're not going to go anywhere. But it's in the moment when you let go and you stop, that's when you have this huge progress and you can really feel how, wow, you know, there was a huge change there. And when getting into those poses where we hold that old emotion, that old tightness that's stuck, it releases through the body and we cry. And the emotion kind of can 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 come out. And that's when we feel all these things. And it's important to allow yourself to to cry when you need to and to not hold back. And I mean, Dennis will tell me a lot. Like he's like, you feel like you didn't have a good class if if no one cried, <laughs> which oh. is not true <laughs> at all. I mean, for sure we have fun and, and lighthearted classes too. But but I think it's a great thing to be able to bring that out in someone and for them to go that deep into their own journey that they can actually work on, on old stuff. Because it makes you lighter. Yeah, definitely. After a cry, you're like, mm -hmm. <sighs> you're it's so relieved. Yeah, definitely. But you talk about yoga, that it helps you in some situation not to react on situations with influences from the past. How does yoga do that? Because I think we, a lot of people need to have a that lot of in people life, need that. you know, <laughs> looking back and like, you know, being mad at something that's not so big, actually. Yeah, I mean, it happens all the time. But I mean, yoga is just the path of getting there. There's, I mean, everybody has different ways, but I think it, 
It keeps coming back to the ability to stay present where, with where you are. So if you're always living, I mean, the mind is really neurotic, like really anxious and, and totally insecure all the time. So if you listen to everything that happens in your head, usually it's the same type of repetitive thoughts every day. And usually it's about the past or about, it's like regret from the past or anxiety about the future or it's something that always should be different. Like very, very rarely do you have your mind tell you like, oh, I'm so content. Like never. I mean, that never <laughs> happens because it's not how the mind works. You know, the mind really needs that continuous problem to work on to improve, which can be good, you know, for solving problems and for creativity and, and stuff like that. But it creates this neurotic society and this insecurity in us that's really hard to to get away from and learning how to get away from that voice and just being present with where you are. If that's like we are sitting in this kind of air-conditioned room and we're sitting on this pillow and just feeling the breath or the clothes on your body or the sounds you hear, it's super simple things, but it allows that the chatter of the mind to kind of move aside a little bit. And when we're in the mind and we have something happen, like it could be gossip, like he said this about you and you're like, oh my God, how could he? Like, and you know, it's immediately like that's a reflection of us not being good enough. You know, as opposed to being present, seeing, hey, I'm still sitting on this cushion here. I'm, I'm, nothing changed in my moment. I was happy five seconds ago. Nothing changed where I am. Like physically in this moment, everything is exactly the same aside from this reaction that I just had to something that someone said to me, which I have no idea if it's even true. One, number one. Number two, how does that affect my own self-worth? Like, How is something so simple, someone gossiping about you or saying something mean about you, how can that be more important than me enjoying this moment? Like that can take over our entire day and just ruin our days completely. And we obsess over it and we gossip about other people in return. And we have to call this person. And why were you saying that? You know, it's just like, it's just, it's just words. And it's, it's the mind always reflecting that we don't think that we are good enough. So everything we hear, we, you know, we perceive that in a negative way. And the practice of yoga, the practice of being present with where you are, it's like it allows a little bit of space between the things that come and how we perceive it. You know, you have a little bit more time between you have to, between having to react right away, freak out right away to maybe realize like, hey, you know what? That's none of my business. Like what that person thinks about me right now, it's not, not none of my business. I don't have to let that affect my entire moment right now, but I can stay here and still be content. Wow. I'm like, yeah, I'm like <laughs> sitting here forgetting the, la- <clears throat> the next question. Like, wow. <laughs> Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door go to blue and use promo code listen to get 50 off your purchase of 500 or more 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Let's talk a little bit about fear. Because you were afraid of talking in front of people. Mm -hmm. And now (laughs) you challenged it and now you're here. And a lot of people have have like dreams and fear but fear becomes bigger than the dreams and you said something beautiful if you're not even a little bit scared of it you're not no if you're not even a little bit okay i'm saying it again (laughs) if you're not even a little bit scared of where you're going getting yourself into it's not worth it can Mm -hmm. you say it (laughs) yeah i mean if you if it doesn't scare you it's not worth doing exactly yeah were you scared of having this interview is that why you did it? <laughs> of course. Everything I do. I mean, on a daily basis. It's like, but then in the end, I mean, you end up doing something so many times. Like, like I used to be really nervous about being on TV. And then I did that 15 times in three months. And now it's like, eh, big deal. Like, you know, probably more people see my stuff on Instagram every day than people that watch that TV show. It's just an idea in your head. But yeah, there is all, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine uh, just two days ago that finding the balance between a lot being content in the moment and allowing yourself to enjoy where you are and still pushing yourself to grow because if you're always just content you're going to stay where you are you're not going to go anywhere so you know that feeling of being content is going to probably transform into a feeling of yeah of of, of st- being stagnant and being stuck and then pushing yourself enough that you keep growing and you keep learning and kind of overcoming these fears without feeling that you have to con- constantly push yourself and not being good enough you know so it really is a fine a fine line but I think every time we have that little voice like oh, this is scary I think that's that's really a good sign that this definitely. is important you know definitely. this is something that's worth doing if it's speaking in front of a crowd or trying something new or you know going to school or you know whatever it is to, to pursue that yeah do it do <laughs> it yeah what does silence mean to you hmm it's more rare these days <laughs> than it used to be I mean, when I was living in Costa Rica, before I moved to Aruba, I didn't have a, a phone, I didn't have a computer, I didn't oh, have... I'm, like, jealous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so nice. Because a lot of people, you know, they can't handle when it's quiet. Mm-mm. They need their phone, they need the TV on, they need the computer on. What do you think of that? Something is unbalanced there in their life. Yeah, it's... I mean, usually it's it's avoiding the present moment, so it's avoiding the mind. And if you shut everything off and you're all alone and there's nothing there, like... What's actually going on inside of your head, or what emotions are you running from? And from some, for some people, that means, you know, you create this whole identity of this is who I am, but maybe it doesn't fit with who you actually want to be or who you actually are. And then when you peel all the layers off, you're faced with this person that you don't even like. That's terrifying. I mean, terrifying. So you numb that with with TV or with with alcohol or with phones or with distractions all the time. And in the end, I think you end up getting really, really exhausted and you can't run away from it forever. So I think learning to be just silent with yourself, if it's 
you know, meditating for five minutes in the morning or if it's practicing yoga or if it's just really shutting off, you know, just really turning everything off and just not have a plan with what happens in that hour. It's, it's crucial, but not, not easy. Not easy <laughs> at all. Almost, I think a year ago, something happened to you that I think every friend fear first of going through and I've been through it. I lost a friend mm. and it was about four years ago and you lost your best friend. Mm-hmm. How long was it ago? In uh, one, almost exactly a month, it's a year. It's so a year. Yeah, 11 months ago. How do you feel now, a year after? I mean, nothing has really healed. I don't think that's how it works. I think the first the first months and the first year is just about surviving, you know, what's what's happened. And I think, I mean, I can talk about it easier now, and it's definitely a part of my you know, my teaching yoga and my connecting with other people. It's a huge, I mean, everybody knows that this what happened. Can, what happened? She, uh, she died in a car crash. Her name was Andrea. Andrea, yeah. She died in a car crash, but it was the same exact moment that I, my, uh, what's it called? Appendicitis. My appendix, yeah, burst yeah. in my stomach, but I didn't know. And I was in the middle of traveling and I, I was still in Aruba and I was at the airport and it was literally like someone stabbed me in the stomach and I never ever had any stomach issues my whole life so I didn't know what it was I didn't know you know what level of pain is kind of accepted so I really was thought that I had like gas like horrible heartburn or gas or something (laughs) and I kept traveling you know and it just got worse and worse and worse and it was really really odd because it was I mean Dennis was there and we had our assistant there and our little dog Ringo was there and we're going to this retreat that was supposed to start the next day and uh yeah, I had to go to the hospital and I had to have surgery and it was really, it was really, I mean, it was really divine timing because I think if I hadn't, if I'd been home, I would have flown to Costa Rica right away and it would have, you know, like that's my, my way. I would have taken charge of the funeral and taken care of her mom and like done all these things. And now I was in a hospital bed and I couldn't do anything except feel everything, which was terrible, but probably very good. And you woke up from, did they do an operation on you? Yeah, I had So you surgery. woke up from the operation and mm-hmm. you got the... Yeah. I mean, there. when I was like in the kind of morphine haze the night before, because it took a really long time for them to do to do the surgery on me, my uh, one of my other best friends from Costa Rica called and it was really late at night, this our time. And I was like, this is so strange. It was like 11 p.m. And I'm like, and then it was like, Luigi's calling. And I was like, Luigi? Like, how does he know that I had surgery? Because I assume that that I'm going to have surgery, that I'm in the hospital. So I, I picked up and I was like, hey, don't worry. Like, don't worry. I was, I mean, really high on morphine. But I was like, no, it's okay. Like, the pain just went away because it was the first time that the pain stopped in all those hours, like nine hours. And he was like, what? What do you mean? Hospital? What do you mean? And I'm like, I'm in the hospital. Isn't that why you're calling to check on me? He's like, no. Like, Andrea had an accident. And then I I knew, like... I knew at that moment, but I immediately, I just, I'm like, I can't hear you. And I was like, Dennis, take the phone. And I gave Dennis the phone and Dennis went outside. And then I woke up in the middle of the night, like hours later, I think, and Dennis was crying by my bed and he never cries. So, I mean, they told me the next day, but I, I mean, I knew that whole time. I knew, I knew. Oh, it makes me so sad. This <laughs> is horrible. Yeah. But, but you couldn't do yoga. 
because of your appendix or appendicitis. I couldn't move. I mean, I couldn't get out of the bed. I couldn't go to the bathroom on my own. I couldn't. Like Dennis had to wash my hair. Like I couldn't do. But how? Anything. How was? How was it? How could you handle that? You know, not able to do your thing, your yoga, mm -hmm. uh, having that that your friend just passed away to deal with those two things. Because, I mean, I don't know what you would have done, but maybe you know, if you're doing your yoga, you meditate, you think of it, you release. Mm -hmm. But can you? But maybe you can do it just lying down, because isn't that yoga too? Just no. I mean, I think in that instant, like anything can become an escape. You know, even the things we label like good, like exercising or doing yoga, even meditation, um, it can be an escape. The same way that okay, there's something happening, we don't want to feel it or think about it or be in it, so we go, we eat a whole box of chocolate, or we go, uh, you know, drink a whole bottle of wine, or we do drugs, or we uh, party, or we you know distract ourselves in many ways, and Yoga can be a distraction in the same way. Like, I'm going to go to class and I'm going to just do this now and I know what to do here. And it's a way of taking control, kind of. And I think in that moment, it was, it was, it was a good thing that I didn't have anything because I was faced with that pain and I had nowhere to go. Like, I had nowhere to hide. I was just lying in this bed. I couldn't, couldn't go for a walk. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do anything to, to relieve my suffering, if that makes sense. Yeah. Which I think made me, I could have, I think when you have that sort of traumatic experience, you can either dose it out in little portions over a very, very long time, like over maybe years. And then, or you can go through it really extremely intensely all at once, and you're going to heal faster. And I think for me, that was a reason to why I can talk about it now. You know, it's not okay. I mean, it's never going to be okay ever, but it's, it's not, it's not, it didn't kill me and it won't, you know, and for some people it's, for some people, it's too much. Like, you can't handle it. Like my mom. It's, I mean, she's the type of person she can't, when it grief or pain hits, she can't handle it. But is yoga also, you know, gearing up for these things happening? Like, you know, because I think in your book, it says, like, think of where you are uh, with everything if you don't have it. Like, you know, think of everything you have without having it. Or mm -hmm. I don't know how to say it now in English, but... Do you somehow with yoga gear up for things to be able to handle it? I mean, I think having your feet on the ground really helps and being able to, like we talked about before, being able to come back to the body and to the, even in crises, like even in a moment like that where like you're still here, you know, your mind can take you to a place where this is the end of the world. Like you, how are you ever going to survive? How are you ever going to live another day? Like it's not possible. How can you live with a pain like this? but you can still feel that you're here and you can feel your heart beating and your breath is here. And it's, it's a really good anchor to have to not spin into this rolling negative cycle of grief because for some people it's really hard to get out of it. I saw some months ago, I couldn't find it now through all of your Instagram pictures, but I think it was a picture of you and Andrea, or how do you say it? Andrea. Andrea. Yeah. Uh, having the same dress. Mm -hmm. And it was on someone's birthday. Her birthday. Her yeah. birthday. We had just been to Envision Festival, which is mm -hmm. this festival. After Thailand, I go straight to that festival, actually. Okay. And we had a whole a whole entire week, just her and me at this festival, like living together. And, you know, we see each other just like a couple times a year, five, six times a year, something like that. So it's not like an everyday, like I don't see her every day. So we had a really, really good, really, really nice last trip. But 
the time before that was a month and a half before that that I was in Costa Rica last. And then, yeah, she had her, her birthday and I bought her a dress. But I loved the dress so much I had to buy myself one, too. <laughs> <laughs> so we had two and then, yeah, now they both hang in my closet, which is really strange. But you also said, you know, letting go means releasing the pain of the love, mm -hmm. which is really important, I think, for people to understand. It's really hard. I mean, still, I'm still coming to terms with that idea. And I know when people go through pain and loss, especially death, we, we tend to, we cling to these material things like memories or like those dresses I had in my closet or pictures or letters or whatever it is. And... I mean, I think I think the idea of letting that go, like the idea of not clinging to, like the idea for me to, to like I have so much of her clothes now, to throw that away, it's like that's never going to happen, ever. But I have another friend, like Luigi, my, my other, um, yeah, one of my best friends or our best friends, he's really like, no, like he right away, like, no, I want to get rid of all of this stuff. Like I can't look at these things all the time every day and still live. Like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't work that way. So I think... For me, learning that it's that it's okay to let go of that, you know, all those pictures and all those things, and not look at them all the time, it's it doesn't change anything, you know. It's still like like the love and the memories will still be there, but you put them in these material things, and then you cling, and that's not healthy. I mean, I've I've learned that, but I mean, it takes a, it takes a long. Like my mom has a huge box, like a massive box of 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 things from my stepdad who died, and it was 21 years ago, and I mean that's probably going to be there forever. Forever, yeah. yeah. But it's an, it's an important part of learning how to let go of those things to stop clinging to something that, that's no longer present, you know, in your regular physical life. Oh, gosh. Um, do you practice yoga, like, 100%? Because it's eight ways of practicing it, right? Like eight... Eight types. limbs. Yeah. yeah. Do you do all of them, or how does that work? Do you I mean, need to do all of them to be a yogi? No, I think... I think that whole idea that you have to be this or that to be a yogi, I think that's, we should get rid of that. I think you can be who yourself and whatever that, whatever that is, and then fit yoga into your life and to the extent that, that it works for you. And usually in the beginning, it's only the physical classes, you know, it's only the asana, it's only the, usually vinyasa or power yoga or ashtanga, the physical, you know, part of the practice. But then the more we practice, the more we find, figure out that there's space for all these other other limbs to enter as well and if it's beginning with meditation or if it's cleanliness or if it's contemplation like there, there, there is definitely room for all of it in every person's life but I don't think I think it can be very overwhelming and complicated to start with the idea that yoga is this huge thing you know and it, it puts people off it makes people no I know I couldn't do yoga like I'm not a spiritual person but it's okay you know everybody is a spiritual person maybe you just won't know it until you try yoga so people I mean we have people that come to class I just want to learn how to handstand that's okay. I'm never going to judge that because that's a great way to start. And then once you get into it and you're practicing for a while, all these other benefits are going to come and you're going to realize like a handstand is like minuscule thing here. You know, it doesn't matter at all. But however you start, it doesn't matter. It's just as long as you get to the mat, I think it's good. Um, you have so many followers on your social medias and this also make big companies want to come into your life and make you as a front person. And you had said no to big deals as like Nike, which is, you know, athletes' biggest dream almost, some of them. 
is it hard to be true to yourself when you you know are under these big companies or why why did you say no i don't know i still struggle with this um i mean sometimes because it is like i don't want to judge anybody else like of course if you can make a if you can make money from a social media account i mean go ahead there's there's lots of different ways for me and, and dennis my, my point was always to have people come to class so that they can practice with me if it's in workshops or retreats or or whatever it is because that's where the real connection lies so that's been the most important part for me and we're lucky enough that we can live off of that in our entire you know we're fine just doing that so i was in a position where i could say no you know we don't need a million dollars like it's you know we have really good lives as they are and i got some like i got a little bit of a backlash in the yoga community from other people and got really offended that i said that i don't want to do these types of endorsements because other people do and then they don't like that i didn't because it was like or like I'm, I'm better than them or something which is not at all my intention of what i wanted to do but i feel like especially since i'm so personal with the community there that's starting to push yoga pants down people's throats or like here use every every post was like here's some wisdom that i meditated on that i'm sharing with you and by the way use this code go on nike.com and get 15 yeah, percent yeah. on these yoga pants yeah <laughs> it doesn't really go together with with what i want to do with it i can say that but I mean, I'm, I'm opening up more to the idea of, of working with bigger brands that feel right. Like now we're in the process of starting our own charity organization, for instance, and um, that needs funding. Like we need money. So for the first time now, I'm in a place where like, okay, if we can get extra funding to fund this project, then we should take it. And if that means collaborating with other businesses or, or whatever, like I'm, I'm more open to that. It just has to be done very carefully, I think, so that there's still love in that. And so that I don't like the idea of, of being dishonest to my followers, of pretending like it's not commercial when it is. Mm-hmm. I would rather want to say, like, hey, you guys, like, tomorrow at 2 p.m. there's going to be a commercial. And it's yeah. going to be from, I don't care if it's Coca-Cola or Nike or, like, a tiny little business, whatever. But um, they are paying us X amount of dollars for this, and we're doing good things with that. So please interact, like it, share it. Yeah. And I think being able to share that is going to make people, it's, like, more, it's a more honest way of doing advertising as opposed to, like, just casually showing the logo of my yoga pants as I'm, you know, doing this pose. I mean, it's it doesn't feel true to me. But also, you know, you need to keep true to yourself. And I know you had some difficulties why, while you were, you know, in this whole traveling thing and you kind of forget about your own health because you woke up one day and had back pain. Yeah. Isn't, <laughs> isn't that true? <laughs> that is true. How do you now, you know, focus more on yourself? I mean, that's been a really uh, a big learning process. It's really hard, when, especially when everything you do is so much fun and it's connecting with beautiful people. I mean, it's not like, not like I sit in front of a computer or at a desk 9 to 5, but it's really what I do is so much fun that it's sometimes hard for me to say no. So I started saying yes to everything and traveling so much, and it was just too much for my own body to handle in a way. So for me now, like I really decided for this year, like this year we're still going to travel. Like I can't stop stop that. Last year we had 40 travel weeks, which is crazy and not wow. at all fun. Like not part of like the I love traveling thing. It was way too much. And for this year to not turn into this, like last year I felt like I was constantly trying to keep up with my own life. Like it was moving too fast and I never felt like I was in control of the direction that we're going. So I really decided... For this year, like, it's not going to be that way. We're going to really be in charge and cut down on as much travel as we can. And I realized for me to stay really healthy, like, I need body work done at least, like, once or twice a week, which means I need acupuncture and a massage because I work with my body all the time. And last, 
was last year I was like, no, you know, that's so expensive. And, you know, it's like, it's like a luxury thing to get massage twice a week. And then now I realize, okay, well, I spend a lot of money on other things, like maybe, you know, buying a pair of shoes or eating out a lot. Listen, I, I could cut that down and then make sure I have someone taking care of me twice a week. And then that's way, way, way more worth it. Yeah, and, and then even, you taking care of someone else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you can't do that if, if, if you're not taking care of yourself. So sometimes that means that when we travel now, I look up local teachers in the places where we go, and I actually ask people to come to where we are for private classes. Because sometimes it's just really, when you're exhausted and tired and you're traveling a lot, sometimes directing yourself on the mat, which is what I do all the time, is, is just tiring. You just want another person to tell you what to do so you can just completely relax. So those are kind of luxuries that I've, allowed myself or made a made sure of this year that is gonna they're gonna help keep me healthy but how many people are behind yoga girl do you have like <laughs> a manager because you have so much to do so you can't do everything by yourself no i cannot i try <laughs> but i can't i mean dennis helps me a ton a ton he's he does most of the behind the scenes stuff like all the finances and that kind of logistics behind everything. And then we have a, a really great assistant, Amelie, who handles the day-to-day -day kind of emails and planning and, and coordination and, and such. And then uh, I have an agent who's amazing who helps with, like when we get that sort of request, for instance, you know, when it comes to Nike or whatever it is, other brands, and they come in every day all the time. And some of it is great and some of it is horrible. And oh. <laughs> it's nice to have a person who really knows the business. And he's such a such a yogi at heart like he's really like we say no to almost everything and I've never felt like now for instance I'm, I'm gonna release my first ever online like real produced yoga classes which I've never done oh. because I felt every company that we were and you know I mean we every everybody reached out but it didn't feel it didn't feel good I don't know why and he can always tell like I don't know for some reason this doesn't feel good but you tell me and I'm like no it doesn't feel good okay and good. now we have our first collaboration with a, a company called Gayam which is Really, really nice. Like full of heart and just really resonates with our vibe, too. So he helps with that stuff, which is super valuable. But I mean, there's not like a 20 people behind the girl <laughs> and entourage. Ringo does a lot too. <laughs> he like answers emails and <laughs> spreads love. <laughs> spreads the love. When you smile, you really smile. You know, with your whole body, you can totally see that you're. You know, because a smile is not always a smile. You know, you can be like, you know, the yeah, American yeah. smile that's the not happy. Smile. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but what is it that made you happy? Is it the yoga or is it that you find love or the fact that you live in Aruba? I mean, I think I think just, just living your passion. And for me, I mean, yoga is not everything. Yoga is just a... I'm feeling that more and more. It's just, it's, I don't think my whole life purpose is only yoga. Like, I don't... I never felt that. Yoga is a way of, for me to share with 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 people you know but I, I really feel that especially since last year with all the pain and the loss and all the stuff that happened it's really changed my my whole view of, of why I'm here you know I feel like I'm I'm here to write I'm here to connect with people and maybe help people deal with their pain you know and that's yoga is a really great way of doing that but I think there's 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 a lot of there's a lot more that can be explored there and and living that and being able to do that every day and just meeting these amazingly brave people that make an effort to come to class or just to come give me a hug or to, you know, it's just like we meet amazing people every day. Like you, you came all the way here. And I mean, <laughs> it's just, it makes it easy to be happy, happy every day. But also I think allowing yourself to be really sad when you're really sad is a huge part of finding that real happiness. What does material stuff mean to you? 
Because we live in a material world. We live world. in a very material <laughs> world, yeah. I mean, people send me things all the time, which is strange. I mean, it's like a blogger thing, I guess, or social media thing. It's not a yoga thing, that's for sure. But everybody wants their products showcased. And even though we have like a standard reply where like Rachel does not endorse anything, like I don't share anything on social media. I never, almost never tag or hashtag stuff. And still, you know, people send crazy amounts of stuff. I had my all of my sisters in Aruba over Christmas and I gave away like half of my leggings and my half of my wardrobe. I was just like, take it, take everything. Oh, wow. <laughs> they were super excited. But I mean, it's really hard because it's easy to get stuck in that sort of thing. You know, like this is the most important thing ever. But also, I think it's totally okay to, to like shoes and to like shopping and to like fashion or, you know, it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. Everybody has different passions and I think you can combine that. It all just comes back to the intention of why you're there. If it's to feed your own ego or to, you know, you can see that in, in someone's, if it's a blog or, or online or so, you can feel it right away if this is a like ego reflected or insecurity reflected or if it's just genuine, like, I like fashion, it's my thing. Yeah. You know, and I think in yoga there's a little bit of a, you know, stigma to it because you're not supposed to enjoy the material things. But everybody does. I mean, unless you're in Nepal on some mountain alone living in a hut with no belongings like everybody to some extent enjoys material things if it's having a nice house or you know like uh, clothes or just the ability to you know drink a good cup of tea and watch a movie those are also material things so i think finding that balance is is important and what does your tattoos mean you have a tattoo <laughs> from when you were younger i do i do is in my neck Okay. I actually got it in Hong Kong, which is not so far away from where we are now, and I was I wasn't even fifteen. Wow. Then yeah. Your mom and dad was not. Oh happy. god, they were so What horrified. is it that you have in your neck? Actually I found out later, like it's actually it, it was a I mean it looks like a little sun almost. Mm -hmm. I just I just like the symbol. It was a it was the tail of a dragon uh -huh. and then the artist drew redrew it for me. And my Chinese uh, astrology sign is uh, is a dragon, so I just I really like that. And then afterwards, like years after, someone was like, "Oh my god, like that's the symbol of life force." And then I started like researching, and it's also a symbol of life force. So wow! I could have ended up with like a symbol for penis. Or yeah, because I was so young, I didn't care. I just wanted a tattoo. So I guess I'm a little lucky in that way. But then I have the faces of the moon on my right arm for my my soul sister who passed away, and then on my other arm it says. I believe in the good things coming, like wrapped around, which is also a part of my, it's from a song, it's a really big part of my healing process. And I have this one that no one really knows, it's oh, like wow. little dots on the side of my wrist, but they were always covered by bracelets. Yeah, which you just cut off. Which I could just cut them all off. So now everybody's like, oh my god, you have this tattoo. It's one dot for each one of my sisters and oh. brothers. It's like a little constellation. It's pretty. It is, right? It my is sister nice. has one too. Yeah, it's really nice. <gasps> wow. I like it. Nice. You know, a lot of young girls and boys, they do feel insecure and living this destructive life. And just like you were, but you found your thing. But everyone doesn't found their thing and everyone don't want to listen to people. What would you, what would you say to them? I mean, I think you have to try everything. <laughs> I mean, not everything, but I think... Not every everything. Not every everything, <laughs> but it's it's important to try different paths and to not be scared of, of, of leaving things, you know. Sometimes we start out, and if it's 
oh, you went to you went to law school, and then it's like you have to be a lawyer because you went to law school, and of course it's a huge pressure, and you spend all that money in school and all that time, and then maybe you realize you don't want to be a lawyer, and learning to let go of our old ideas of what we have to do, it's it's a scary thing, but it's important when it comes to finding our own path. Like, I mean, like my sister now, she's an amazing singer. But she's like, I have so much to learn, and it's not perfect, and there are way better other singers out there. And I'm like, well, who gives a shit? Like, give it a try. Like, put yourself out there. I'm like, I'll support you. You know, we yeah, we saw of, that the yeah. other day. <laughs> we got a ton of emails from people with tips and oh, nice. people with connections and this and that. And I said, you know, if it doesn't work out, at least you'll never spend the rest of your life wondering exactly. could I have been, could I have made it as a singer? You know, and maybe on the way to that dream, you get lost and you find another dream and you realize this is what I want to do. Yeah. Another door opens. Another door opens, yeah. So, but you get many emails from girls and boys, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's the most common thing they say? Wow, there's so many of them. I mean, I think the one of the most common ones is like, how how did you start living your dream? People really want to, you know, they see this life and it's, it's yoga and travel and it's like, oh my God. And, you know, they know it's not perfect because I share all the non-perfect stuff too, but just because this was my path doesn't mean it's everyone's like i've had that i've had to be cautious a little bit we get really young girls to come to retreats they're 17 18 and they're like you know i'm not going to go to school because you didn't go to school and i'm just going to travel Mm -hmm. and i'm like holy shit wait hold up hold up Uh (laughs) like like your parents must hate me you know i'm not ever gonna sit here and tell people to not go to school like absolutely not you know sometimes i have to have it's happened more than once that i've had to have these really serious discussions with young girls saying you know I was incredibly lucky with this, and the the point was not to follow my steps with this. The point is to to follow your own dream, and everybody has their own thing. Whether that is you know going to school or starting a family or trying your own career idea or or whatever it is. And I mean, for for so many people, that that's not going to come until you've found some peace in who you are. And if you're 18 and you're totally insecure and you feel like oh, I don't know what I'm going to do, I mean. It's really hard to find your path from there. You know, you have to focus on first loving who you are and being really comfortable in your own skin. And that opens a lot of doors. So in every podcast, I have the person I'm interviewing now needs to ask a question to the next person I'm interviewing. Mm -hmm. But you don't know who that is. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. So uh, last time I interviewed Victoria Silvstedt. And her question was, uh, do you hate anyone? Wow, that's a rough question. Holy crap. No. I mean, I'm like, I'm like can I think of something? No, I mean, no. I, I mean, I really, really don't. I think we have these discussions in class sometimes where, you know, what about Hitler? Or what about like Osama bin Laden? Or, or whatever. And I think it's really important to realize that all these things, if it's evil or people doing you wrong or, or whatever it is, the the worst thing that comes from that is when a whole society focuses only on the fear that that brings. You know, you can have one really bad person that probably wasn't born bad, you know, that probably had a horrible life and horrible life experiences. Like, no one is born to be a Hitler, you know, like something really messed up happens in that person's life that brings about a situation like that, clearly. But having something like that happen if it's a terror attack or whatever happens these days and then the entire society responds with fear and hate and retribution and revenge and then media starts feeding all of us with this fear 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 and that's the problem you know 
you can have an isolated incident where someone bad does something horrible and you can move forward from that and, and start to heal or you can spin into this cycle of more fear and more hate that's going to probably generate more attacks and more horrible things. I mean, I, re I really wish there was a, a popular news channel that only talked about good news. We never yeah. get we never get good news. So many good things happen every day. Like miracles happen all the time. Amazing stories, amazing things. No one talks about them. There's no CNN, you know, reporting. CNN on like, happy. It's yeah, CNN happy. Let's start it. Reporting on like family reunions or people overcoming cancer or yeah. like you know people like overcoming these horrible things or just living happy lives. Like there's nothing like that. So we're fed these images of hate and war, as opposed to being fed these images of healing and and, and love. So I think hating someone, like, no, I don't, I don't hate, I hate anyone. So what's your question for the next person? And I don't know who it is. No. Um, okay, wait, let me think about this. If you had, wait, okay, if you weren't fearful, what would you do? Good. Good question. Good one. Good one. We wrapped up the interview. Yay! <laughs> And now we can brave. talk Swedish. Now yeah. we can talk Swedish. Oh shit, Thomas. After a little rädsla och svett. That's all. So we'll be clear. So, if you weren't fearful, what would you do? I hope you enjoy listening to this podcast. If you want to know who I am, you can follow me on the podcast Instagram page. Oh, podden. It's spelled O-P-O-D-D-E-N. Then you will also get more information if I send out another podcast in English. Next episode will be out next week, but this will be in Swedish. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.